Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Current Yield, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, and with us, as always, Eric Whitehead at the control panel, and the great Evan Lorenz, Deputy Editor of Grant's, sitting directly across from me. And to my right is uh, son, Philip, who uh, edits almost daily Grant's. And here we are getting close to, I don't know, in a way, getting close to holiday time. And I know that because Eric Whitehead has the family vacation uh, brochures out. Let's see, there's one, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. It's uh, Syria. Let's see. It's it's good. It's excellent. Lebanon, good. A lot of interesting things in Lebanon. And Chile, I think, is a new thing on the Whitehead family agenda. There's some uh, insurrection, I think. Yeah, that's Chile. right. The public spirit is uh, roused. Uh, of course, but, but since Kong. they canceled the APEC meeting, I think there's a lot of hotel vacancies. He might, he might get a good deal. Yeah. And uh, Hong Kong, of course, is uh, is a perennial with the Whiteheads. So uh, Great weather. Yeah. I want you to do a, a little bit less of this, Eric, if you wouldn't mind, during business hours and take these brochures. Perhaps you can talk with the wife about them at home. Yes, yeah, that's good. Okay. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we are here a week after the famous fall grants conference. What a day it was. If you weren't there, I mean, I, I really know what to say. What, what can we say? Oh, and I know. You should have been ne- there. Next year. Yeah, right. Next year. Okay. It's always next year. Yeah, we got one next well, year. Well, actually, you can still actually buy um, replay to the conference if you log into the grants website and actually um, go to uh, our conference section. You Correct. Can... Great, great call. Well called. Yeah. And in fact, there's one presentation in particular there that actually tells you how to invest in tech after everything uh, kind of goes, um, falls down pretty hard. Pear shape. Pear shape. And this is becoming a more um, live, uh, relevant topic uh, in the last week or two. Yeah. Well, well, um, a lot apparently is a new thought in Wall Street. That thought is that profits are desirable. Not, I'm not sure that it has gone so far as that profits are essential. Maybe that's for the bottom of the cycle. Uh, but we seem to be making progress in that respect. And one of the things that you might choose to do if you log on to uh, Grant's website and get the presentations is to pay particular attention to uh, the presentation on Uber by our friend Hubert Horan. Hubert is a, a 40-year veteran of the transportation business. He consults on rail and especially aviation. But he has made it his personal business to investigate the finances of Uber. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it was a fabulous, I think I'm using that word, but it's warranted in this case, uh, a very terrific presentation on just how unprofitable is Uber and how unprofitable it will remain. And uh, I'm going I'm to read one. I'm, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to quote directly from Hubert's presentation. You might save yourself about $2,500 by listening to this and not coming to the conference. But because it's, uh, as we say, getting close to the holidays, here it is. He's saying that uh, we're, you know, uh, it sets up as the Amazon of transportation. And that sounds good. But what drew Hubert to the study is that uh, if... Uber is correct about all of this, it will be in violation of every single known fact about transportation economics. It will render everything else we know precisely, exactly wrong. Uh, whereas every big transportation company insists on the central control of labor and capital and mobilizing sophisticated planning systems, Uber is exactly the opposite. Quote, they have no control of capital or labor, said he. They have no data on total product. They have a total market, rather. They have primitive pricing tools compared with what airlines had 30 years ago. That's interesting, no? It is. Uh, people didn't love airlines 30 years ago either. <laughs> <laughs> One of the remarkable things that uh, Hubert has done in the course of his work on uh, Uber is just showing how much more inefficient it is relative to the taxis that it's displacing. Well, relevant, as he put it, to the most mediocre yellow cab company. Yeah. He lays it out so simply. He says, all right, every Uber driver is responsible for his own maintenance, his own gasoline, his mm-hmm. own insurance. How is that more efficient than a fleet buying those things wholesale? Well, not just that, but he makes the point that a cab stand can buy all the same car. They can have one repair guy work on all those cars. They can get group discounts on insurance. They are using cheaper cars. I mean, 
when you buy a uh, uh, hire a Uber car, they tend to drive nicer luxury vehicles, which are more expensive to buy and more expensive to maintain. There was a time when, when Uber had a leasing division and it was telling that the leasing division didn't work because the drivers seemed not to have the money to service the leases. And why might that be? Because they are impoverished geese. Not, not just that, but earlier this month, uh, James River, which is a large insurance company, canceled its corporate insurance of uh, Uber drivers because it wasn't making money. I mean, nobody along the, the whole supply chain seems to be eking a lot of cash. And the, the, the response from the company now is to a week or two ago rolled out Uber money, which is a, a, a form of, 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 among other things, credit card financing for the drivers. Yeah. Oh, one of the interesting things. So on, on Monday, uh, Grubhub, which is the delivery unicorn, reported results after the market closed. And on Tuesday, the stock fell 43%. But one of the things that... Um, 4.3, you said? Uh, 43, oh. two fifths. But one of the interesting things they um, said in explaining why their business was doing so badly actually really did kind of corroborate what Haran had said. And I'm going to quote a little bit from their letter. Extremely large delivery logistics companies can generate slim margins, but only because of the hub and spoke efficiencies they generate, they gain at substantial scale. The point to point nature of our business mostly eliminates that aspect of operating leverage. One thing you'll note about kind of Uber, Lyft, or any of the other ride hail companies is they're point to point companies. They don't actually have the ability to uh, have this hub spoke model that an airline has by riding all the flights through O'Hare or LaGuardia and then, you know, running them through smaller airports. Basically, what they said was this model sucks. Sucks? Is that, Eric, is that a term of art in finance? Yeah. <laughs> it's right up there with. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, cost. you are listening, and Evan Lorenz, you're listening to a, a CFA. <laughs> <laughs> that is part of the curriculum. You know, what, one of the, another, as long as we're dishing on ourselves, right? This is a this is like a non for profit thing. This podcast, I don't I don't begrudge you, the listeners. It's free stuff, but still, it's free. We're, we're engendering goodwill. I guess uh, you know we're, we're sort of following the lead of these profitless wonders. Well, and goodwill <laughs> is like uh, is like uh, clicks, right? That's right. Yeah, we got we got some ear ear balls on this one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyway, so. Uh, one of our speakers, Dan Rasmussen, uh, talked about uh, private equity, which he called the greatest mistake in your portfolio. And uh, Dan said that uh, if memory serves, which it does now and then, he said that uh, private equity indeed has lagged a little bit behind public markets in the past five years, like one percentage point a year. Mm -hmm. However, he added that that deficit is entirely attributable to the fourth quarter of 2018, when the public markets were down 18%, 20%, whatever. Double digits. And uh, uh, private equity was down 1% or 2% based upon marks to uh, prices uh, placed on the pieces of paper by the private equity titans themselves, self-marked. Now, Evan, when you were in school, did you ever have a take-home exam? Yeah, I got 100% every time. <laughs> uh, I wonder if the University of Chicago has, has a subscription to this podcast. Well, to that point, though, about uh, marks and reality, I wish I had the, f the figures in front of me, but KKR- Go on, make them up. Yeah, close enough. KKR reported this week, and um, among the, uh, the notables was a 29% decline in, in distributions, which- It's uh, not just uh, KKR. If you actually look, Carlisle and Apollo us are kind of struggling a little bit as uh, realizations are falling a bit flat. It's been kind of a private equity in general problem, not just a KKR problem. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of- What's that? Zip Recruiter. Smart. <laughs> if you are in the business of hiring people, I had trouble doing so. I mean, this is uh, it's one of the features of our financial lives. The labor market is tight. So how do you find qualified candidates? Usually it takes a long time. Uh, too many applicants, too many false positives. And as he, this is where Zip Recruiter makes it easy. Uh, ZipRecruiter.com 
slash grant will deliver you to the site that will tell you about how you can hire better. So ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. And here it is, ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Yeah, there have been a number of remarkable headlines over uh, the last month, uh, not the least of which is that um, venture capital uh, PMs are finally discovering that their items below the PL or below the revenue line on the profit and loss statement. There was a story in the New York Times talking about how VCs are now going through the portfolios and trying to calculate this thing called gross margin. Um, but it's actually spread uh, to kind of the leader of the kind of unicorn cycle, which is SoftBank and Masayoshi uh, Son. The, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported a week ago that he's now pushing his companies to actually start generating cash instead of just go for uh, growth. This is in the midst of him running through problems in Vision Fund One, notable uh, companies including WeWork, which uh, he had a bailout. WAG, which is a uh, dog walking unicorn that is now uh, apparently losing so much money that it's trying to sell itself, uh, according to Bloomberg, at a knockdown price. It's also lost a few dogs, if I recall. But it also, it, it lost a few dogs. Is that before tax? <laughs> <laughs> EBIT dog. <laughs> Earnings before losing dog. October 26th, uh, Bloomberg had a headline that said, SoftBank said to I, Burgers Digital Pharmacy and Second Vision Fund, which means that he's- Wait, is that double vision? Double vision. The, the, this is the fund that he has yet to raise. Uh, and it comes at a time that his current vision fund one is kind of imploding. But four days later, on October 30th, uh, Bloomberg had another SoftBank-related headline. SoftBank's son speaks to an almost empty room in Saudi's summit. Yeah. Saudi's being his major funder. Right. What's the half-life of financial genius? Answer, uh, one cycle. <laughs> That's, I mean, this is, uh, I, 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 for one, am not going to laugh. I'm not going to smirk at uh, Mr. Son because uh, I've been doing this for the better, let's see, 150 years, 50 years, just about. And I have been smart, I have been dumb, and I have been just another guy. And I mean, I, I think that the SoftBank thing is all wrong. I think the spirit of the enterprise, the leverage, and the uh, getting crazier, as he advised the uh, progenitor, the co-founder, I guess, if we work, Mr. Neumann, uh, I got no use for any of that, except this idea that uh, suddenly you're a genius and they crowd the room and then suddenly you're an idiot and everyone stays away. No, I'm not going to laugh at that one. I actually still think uh, Adam Newman's a genius. He got like, what is it, $1.5 billion package? Yeah. After... Evan, you're, you're missing the point of my... <laughs> <laughs> charitable sidebar. That kind of, they kind of stood on its own, you know. Yeah. I thought it was agreeing with you. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, employee of the month. Well, as as we as we as we pivot away from the the, the cycles <laughs> of Wall Street towards a, a more um, uh, enduring uh, hobby here, which is bashing central banks, I wanted to just make note of a uh, of a Bloomberg story today about the uh, ECB. Uh, uh, today marks the first day of uh, Christine Lagarde's tenure, replacing uh, some might say not a moment too soon, Mario Draghi. This is uh, Halloween, is it? Today? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's actually it's tomorrow. So yes, right. So it's, um, today is Draghi's final day. Uh, anyway. Tomorrow is Patricia Kavanaugh's birthday. Ah, that's correct. Yep. There you go. That's Mrs. Grant's 
Uh, we're actually, she's, I am Mr. Mr. Kavanaugh. Dr. Kavanaugh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but go ahead. Um, so uh, uh, the ECB is, uh, has just now introduced their, um, their tiering uh, uh, mechanism for, to basically alleviate the effects that negative rates bring upon the area banks. And um, this, this is a, a brand new uh, mechanism that has just been put in place. And Bloomberg has a story today uh, noting that the overnight uh, money market rate was, was unchanged, which is a signal that the market has uh, uh, successfully uh, sort of digested this this new mechanism. And uh, the Bloomberg story quotes a, a fellow, uh, doesn't matter his name, a, a senior analyst at Donsky Bank, uh, Denmark's largest, um, who's quoted as saying, unchanged uh, of the money market rate, unchanged on the previous day. In other words, the ECB nailed it with the tiering. And my question is, is that diplomacy or Stockholm syndrome? Donsky Bank, uh, I have a, in front of me a nice chart of, of Donsky Bank's price to book ratio. Hold up to the microphone. Yes, yes. As, as you can all see here, uh, the bank currently trades at just over half of its stated book value uh, compared to a five-year average of about 1.2 times. So it's it's trading at less than half of its five-year average uh, price to book value. This bank is an absolute behemoth. It has, uh, in US dollar terms, $575 billion in assets, uh, which towers over the uh, GDP of Denmark. Mark, which uh, in 2018 came in at 351 billion. I would like the world to know uh, that uh, the deputy editor of grants is, is playing with his phone. Well, actually, I was looking up a separate Bloomberg headline now. Denmark, according to Bloomberg, is also home to the most negative deposit rates in the world. The The Danish central bank actually sets its intervention rate as minus 75 basis points. And oh, the good. Danish banks, I was trying to look up which one, actually now have the most negative deposit rate. That means the... Uh, uh, among the most negative price to book ratios, perhaps. I don't know. They're still slightly positive, just very yeah. small. Anyway, by the way, this reminds me a little bit. And uh, Eric, I, I know that you think along these same lines. You think about how to get your stuff through the mail with a minimum of effort and a maximum of efficiency. And I, this leads me to uh, Send Pro Online from Pit and Post. Uh, with Send Pro Online, it's just a click, send, and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99, ladies and gentlemen, a month. Send envelopes, flats, packages. Um, uh, right from your desk and you are back in business in no time. So apart from being a current yield listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free 10-pound scale. Yeah, it's a scale. It's a fairly heavy piece of machinery to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SendPro Online starting at $4.99 a month, not 5 $4.99. You can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping. Calculate exact postage online. Print from your PC. So go to pb.com slash grants pod to access the special offer. Three free 30-day plus trial. Uh, now it's a free 30-day trial plus a free 10-pound scale to get started. That's pb.com slash grants pod. Experience shipping made simple. All right. Hey, so uh, today is not only Halloween, not only uh, the birthday eve of Patricia Kavanaugh, MD, but also the day after the night before when uh, the Washington uh, Federal Reserves uh, took the World Series from the uh, Houston Oilman. It's, it's just, it warms your heart to see good things happen to good people like all those folks in Washington. Yeah, like Ben Bernanke is a fan yeah, and that's yeah. fine. But uh, I have two things to say with respect to the World Series. One is that I was riding home in a cab with the aforementioned Patricia Kavanaugh, MD, home from dinner at a restaurant, home to watch the World Series. Uh, I could stay away for as many as like one inning after I got home. But anyway, we're on a cab and the radio was on playing the World Series, which to me is a nostalgic thing. It's just all too little attention paid. Right, Eric? Baseball these days, people are watching like world wrestling. Okay, so I say to the cab driver, what's the score? They're by bonding with another human being, right? right. Staring yep. at my phone and he says, um, one nothing Houston. 
<laughs> this, this guy was a Spanish immigrant, and I, I was just so charmed. He's I mean, a New Yorker. Guy, yeah, he's a New Yorker. I mean, New York. I have Daniel Patrick Moynihan looking down at us from uh, that portion of heaven given over to top politicians. There must, uh, and he deserves that place there. He's, he's gonna, I would say, Senator Moynihan, New York is a melting pot still, at least in some respects. Houston lost the series. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so for out-of-towners, there's, a, there's an east-west thoroughfare, a very long east-west street in Manhattan called H-O-U-S-T-O-N. Uh, uh, and we say it New York, Houston. And in Texas, they have this odd pronunciation of the same word. Uh, like what, what, Houston? Is yeah, it? yeah, strange. Okay, so that's one thing about the World Series. The second thing concerns, second thing concerns analytics. All right. So, uh, Phil, would you care to uh, describe for the listeners of this podcast the cartoon on page one of Grants, in case some of them don't subscribe to Grants? We're just giving the whole store away this, this point time. Here, but go ahead. So the uh, the scene is uh, a pitcher's mound conference, uh, pitcher, catcher, and manager. Right. Um, as is the want nowadays uh, with, with uh, camera technology the way it is, the pitcher has uh, the glove covering the, uh, his mouth to prevent uh, the eye in the sky and, and, and li- uh, strategic lip reading or embarrassing lip reading. Um, and in the background looms a, a sort of larger than life hitter awaiting uh, the end of the conference to face this pitcher, perhaps a Juan Soto type or someone particularly uh, intimidating. Anyway, so the the, uh, the conversation is going on and the, the cut line underneath is, well, then perhaps the analytics department would like to speak uh, to pitch to Dombrowski. That's what the pitcher said, Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. So let's bring on the Bring on these these pencil necks. Maybe they can pitch to Dombrowski. Sometimes it's just a, a matchup between two athletes. Yeah. All right. So that's that's analytics. And uh, Houston is like the uh, Houston is the most analytic of all analytical teams. No. That's right. The, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a famous front office. Not can't write really write press releases, but uh, they are excellent at all the saber metrical analysis of uh, baseball skills. The uh, word skill sets, not just skills. So I would like to observe that uh, Washington, which is like 19 and 31, a couple of months. Yeah, that's right. After after uh, four game sweep by the Mets, I remember the series. Yeah. Um, so I so Washington won four away games, never before done, right? Right. There was no home victories in the whole series. And then Washington is a, is a guy homers and he hits the foul pole. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is there's room in life for unscripted events, for the this, the uh, this room for a surprise of the analytics department, no? That's right. And uh, well, I think that uh, the, if I may say so world, I think your collective error, now I'm addressing the world, is over-reliance on these, uh, yeah, 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 pencil necks at the Federal Reserve, these, these, the analytical department of our our monetary affairs, whether it's the ECB, the Fed, Bank of Japan, let them pitch to Drombowski, right? Yeah. So one of these days, uh, somebody's going to hit the foul pole. I'm not talking fi- figure, uh, figuratively speaking, Phil. I'm not talking a little bit. Someone, someone is going to hit the foul pole. It might be uh, Mr. San of SoftBank fame. He might just zig when he should have zagged. It, he might have already done that. It could be that um, that there is an unanticipated disturbance in the credit market, such that. Uh, uh, the continuity of expectations so carefully established by the Fed. The Fed wants us to expect just what it wishes we would expect. These could be upset, correct? That's These right. Things happen. That's, that's one of the contingencies. So at Grant's Interest Rate Observer, ladies and gentlemen, we are all about the unexpected, the contrary, the unscripted, and the bloody-minded. Sometimes uh, we are looking a little silly with our preoccupation with those things. We, we are not going to be sucked into the vortex of central bank complacency. And sometimes um, repo rates spike up to 10% for no, uh, for no apparent reason. Yeah, how about too much collateral? 
too much collateral. And then the, the Fed has to rebegin uh, QE, although it's not QE. Yeah. So uh, I'm doing this from memory again. So the uh, I'm also quoting this issue of grants. Everybody's getting a free issue of grants. I, it breaks my heart, but here it is. So the rate of growth or of shrinkage, as the case may be, in the Fed's balance sheet or the essential middle of the Fed's balance sheet is year over year uh, down five and a half or six percent. Uh, over six months, the rate of growth is uh, just about flat, maybe slightly, slightly negative. And over the past three months, 15% plus. So the Fed has reaccelerated its acquisition of securities, treasury bills in this case, which it buys with credit that it creates with a tap on the keyboard. And it is doing that to forestall another race upward in the repo rate. And everyone's talking about everything except the possibility there's too much federal debt at these prices, at these yields, maybe. There's actually a Bloomberg article talking about the perverse consequences of this. The Fed has actually been pushing up um, SOFR, which is a secured overnight funding rate, which is That's a new Coke, right? New Coke. It's basically the uh, repo rate on treasuries. And they want to use this in place of LIBOR because banks generated LIBOR and a lot of banks lied. Well, the problem is with the Fed now tr putting its thumb on the um, repo markets, uh, there was an article in Bloomberg saying some people are less willing to actually take out new SOFR-based contracts because they don't view it as a, a real rate anymore. And they're actually it's going back- a real rate. They're going it's back to LIBOR because they feel like it's at least a, a rate that's market determined. Well, there's this thing, Ameribor, yeah. Uh, that is uh, getting some traction, um, which is actually also a real rate. Um, is that the Richard Sandor? Yeah, Richard, our friend Richard Sandor is responsible for this as he's been responsible for so many good things in finance. I say good thing. I think I think this Ameribor is a good thing. You know, one thing about LIBOR, yeah, they they cooked it, but at least it was a credit sensitive interest rate. It, it told you, it, 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 it encased information about uh, the banks if, you know, at least it should have. I guess it was crooked as some rates are. You know, once, um, I guess uh, I'm telling an old story, Evan. Well, it's... Uh, but wait a second. You're well, supposed to say, I'll tell it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was an open meeting at uh, some eminent New York institution and uh, a member of the Federal Reserve Board was there and he was talking about uh, about uh, LIBOR. Raised my hand and said, uh, sir, could you uh, explain for the audience the substantive economic difference, not the legal difference, mind you, but the substantive economic difference between, on the one hand, the manipulation of LIBOR bore by the corrupt and corrupting banks in London, and on the other hand, the policy-motivated manipulations of the central banks on the other. What's the economic... And he said, I want you to know how seriously we take the manipulation. Absolutely over... He chose not to address it. But now the, you know, the, the Fed uh, wants to target the very rate it manipulates. What is this, Evan? You ever feel like a stranger in a strange land? If you answer yes, that means it's time to go because uh, we are now trespassing on the time of our friends and listeners by getting into things that... Uh... And so prompted, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, until the next time, this is Current Yield, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Thank you for listening.